0: Week on the Cameron Journal podcast, we are speaking to Madeira Rogers. She is a fashion expert. She is um, an amazing, worldly, wonderful person who, like me, has lived every damn where. Um, and uh, we had a very long conversation about business, the Black community, um, what we need to build Black wealth, and um, racial politics, Black Lives Matter all this sort of thing. It's a wide-ranging conversation. We go everywhere. Um, We talk about all the things. So um, this is a long one, so settle in, bear with. It's great for a drive, commute, a run. If you can take a break, you can take a break. But this is a wide-ranging conversation on a ton of topics. We're super glad to have her. She's um, a new business partner of mine, and so I definitely wanted to get her on the podcast. And most importantly, we're going to talk about her new project that we're working on together called Black Pearl Marketplace, which is going to be your premier source to work with black creatives. So um, we're talking about Black Pearl Marketplace and a whole bunch of things in the community. Strap in, it's the Cameron Journal Podcast. Here we go. This is the Cameron Journal Podcast. It's a place where we talk about important things. It's a place where we bring a little slice of the news to you. And it's a place where we do important things, have important conversations. It's also things that I like to talk about. My name is Cameron Cowan, and this is the Cameron Journal Podcast. Today on the Cameron Journal Podcast, we're welcoming Madeira Rogers from Black Pearl Marketplace. Madeira is a new business associate of mine. We are working on several exciting projects. And I wanted to talk about Black Pearl Marketplace because there is a big trend right now of helping people seek out and shop with uh, Black and Pan-African business owners. And she is setting about what it takes to actually make that happen and make that freely available to people. And the best part is she isn't just waiting for these businesses to grow, she's helping them to grow. So we're going to talk about how she decided to do this, what it's all about, and how you can help. So welcome to the podcast, Madeira. How are you?
1: Well, thank you. Um, I I will say I'm going to add one aspect to my last name, which is Rogers Henry now. I am fully married. And so I have to honor my my husband's name and my family name by having Rogers hyphenated Henry. But I thank you. I'm excited to be with you. It's even more exciting that we get a chance to work together because we've known each other for such a long time and we've tried other things, but this um, I felt resonated with you and I when we had a chance to just reach out and talk to each other on Facebook. Um, the, the reasoning behind Black Pro Marketplace, I had already had Black Pearl Marketplace on my marketing plan um, 11 years ago. And I knew that it would be part of a cooperative model that I already knew that I would be moving to and, um, and since I wanted to shed, when I was in the hospital, which wasn't due to COVID, it was a pre preexisting um, health condition, I, in my sleep, started seeing Black Pearl Marketplace because I was dreaming. I, was, I had very vivid dreams. And um, my dreams were saying, this is something I needed to do now. Um, now, coming out of the hospital, I was kind of in and out. I heard my spirit saying, it needs to be a cooperative for Black creatives. And then all of a sudden, the amazing protesting that took place and the incident with George Ford even made it make even more sense. Um, And that is what I really got was a gift for me. to be a steward of something like this, because what we're doing is not about just going to a brand that's successful, already fully developed. I'm reaching out to brands of people who are creating ideas and they're trying to manifest it in one level. And then you have people who already have these beautiful brands and what we're attempting to do is help them streamline. But most importantly, we're trying to keep each other sustained, that means I know that you need an office assistant, someone in the membership becomes your office assistant. If you know I need someone to put together a web page for you and you don't have a lot of money, I put together that web page for you so that you have consistency in your image, in your protocol, in your um day-to-day operations. So That is what the joy has been, is understanding where we started at in July. We have totally done literally an about-face where we offer somewhere between 17 to 18 services um, that we do member-to-member sharing, and we'll be introducing member-to-community sharing. Um, We're already taking on clients now, and it's very exciting um, what the potentiality will be um, in addition to the other brands and products we're, we're launching as a Black Pearl market co-op. Yeah. So there you go. Mm-hmm. There you yeah. have
0: That's perfect. That's wonderful. So um, when it comes to, you kind of gave us the origin story of it all, but why don't you, why don't you fill us in about um, a bit about your, yourself? Um, how hmm. did you get into How did you get into business? How did you find your success, and how did that lead to Black Pro Marketplace?
1: Okay, wow. Um, because um, when I had knew you, we were in Colorado. That that was that fashion energy, that yes. was a time where things were amazing in Denver, Colorado. Um, yes, as
0: I as I recall, didn't we? Either I think either you found me through Denver Fashion Week 2012, or oh my god, you remember? (laughs) Yes, because I was I was trying to I was trying to think of how we had met, and I said I think it was out of Fashion Week in 2012 because a lot of that was so huge. A lot of people began to know who I was. A lot of people in the aftermath of that reached out to me because everyone was like, "Who just did a first full Fashion Week in Denver when everyone else failed?" And so, uh, and I think that was how, that was how I met. And I remember I came down you we were at this house in, in, in Denver, like Park Hill neighborhood sort of thing. And, and we sat and we talked and all this sort of thing. And yeah. And then, and we did, we just kind of kept in touch. I don't think we did a deal as I Mm-mm. recall. Um, we didn't. Yeah. But we just, kind of. but we did in do touch. a deal.
1: <laughs> we yes. kept in touch. Yeah. We made an agreement to keep in touch and it's been and and I think now remember we talked about this too Miss God rest her soul Pat Moran who was at Jocelyn's also introduced us at an event if I am not mistaken that Jocelyn had in Denver now, I can't tell you what the time frame is I don't recall if I already knew you or if Pat was reintroducing us, I don't know if you remember that either. I
0: I do kind of vaguely vaguely you to yes. A see, lot of events.
1: yes. I, mean, I was
0: I was out seven nights a week at that time, so yes, you
1: were. You know, yes, you yeah. were.
0: so it was. And, and so I to, think to, to ask me I, for a specific event that I was at at that time is a blur. I know, but you but, know, I'm yeah. like
1: really, I'm like sitting here going, "Oh my god, I remember that!" But who would not yeah. remember this Pat? But the my. My evolution to this is I've been in fashion for 30-plus years, but what has evolved is me leaving Denver, living in Montreal, um, allowed me to begin to coach models there in the Quebec market and get them ready also for international markets. From there, I moved back to Denver, and then I started to kind of be in a completely, it wasn't fashion at all. I attempted to get back in fashion and it just wasn't, it wasn't there. It wasn't, it, the fashion wasn't there. The, um, all the major stores, department stores weren't there, that type of thing. Although there was a fashion presence, it just wasn't the same. Um, That's one of the that reasons
0: term, I left this fashion scene in Denver as well. There's, There's a lot of kind of interesting things and people and whatnot going on. But when it comes to business being transacted and getting the attention from outside, that was what Mm. I wanted to have happen. And I could never make happen, could never mobilize the resources to make that happen. And I I eventually, you know, moved on and kind of gave up on the whole thing.
1: Yeah, Denver is a, a really interesting market. I don't know how it is now. But I do know that we were in a time, I call it a a really amazing twilight time, because, you know, twilight is like it's like that beautiful time where day is leaving and night is coming. But the lighting is so amazing. Um, You know, that was the time where, you know, um. You know, Glenn Cavalli and Bernard Grant and um, May D&F and Fashion Bar and Neiman Marcus. You know, we were very active. I mean, I was a choreographer and a movement coach at that time. So it was it was very active. But as I began to do this, I always had a love of working with children. You have to remember, a lot of people I coached happened to be somewhere between 11 to 17 years old. Um, and these were young women who I had to coach to make them look and feel like they were grown women. And that's kind of interesting in itself. Um, because it it you, is you for have...
0: Fashion Week. We took 45 girls and turned them into models in six weeks.
1: Exactly. And you have to be very <laughs> so, mindful yeah. that there, there is, um, and, and the women that I had coached, I mean, I had coached, well, if you're talking 30 years, I worked in many schools, many agencies. I saw that. But as the story evolved, me going back to Denver after leaving Montreal, I got into radio, and then I got a girlfriend of mine said, I have, I know you love children. I want you to check out AmeriCorps. And I said, AmeriCorps? Like, I'm sitting here going, are you kidding me? (laughs) Fashion to AmeriCorps? And I believe for me, that was the turning point. Um, That led me from there to here because what we did through AmeriCorps was introduce programs that I still have happening now that I've moved to New Orleans, we are re-initiating some of those programs. So I introduced um, whose magazine um, where children were interviewing and partnered with the Denver Film Society, um, partnered with Radio Disney. And what we did was we, and we had children even go to New York to experience what the human spirit was after 9-11. And so it was very clear for me that I wanted to help young people. Um, and I do believe I made a difference, um, but I knew that after that, I kind of got tired of Denver again. I mean, Denver, Denver has an amazing cycle Um, That allows you to grow, but I felt like I was so tired of the Denver scene that I really wanted to to go back and live in Europe or go back and live in Quebec or go back and live in New York, and I got engaged. I got married. My husband was in the film industry, so there I was in New York, and I was creating this fashion brand that's sustainable, and again, I still have that, but the goal was for me to create these, these pieces. So long story short, as time moved on, we built a home here in New Orleans. I had to be here in New Orleans. Husband was still working in New York. And New Orleans is completely different from New York. Completely Denver from Denver. Even in Brooklyn, Brooklyn is its own vibe. New Orleans is definitely its own vibe. Um, It was more of an African experience that I needed and didn't know I needed until I arrived here and it felt like I was coming home. That made sense because my family was all from New Orleans. And so in establishing this beautiful energy of living in New Orleans, and you're going back to your African roots, what started to show up as I did my brand and I start Creating the sustainable thing, I created a product called the Green Journey Series, and we started to create in the New Orleans area these really cool platforms at like say um, we had a food um, a food court called St Rock's Market um, that was here that is still here in New Orleans, but there is a there's an energy about St Rock's Market before. COVID-19 and after COVID-19. Before COVID-19, it was a bustling place for um, one, nine food vendors to come and experience creating their brand and growing their food brand from a concept into serving hundreds of people every day, if that made sense. Well, there we were, we created a market. And we created that market on second Saturdays and we made sure that what I have always been very pro, we have to showcase more black folks. Here's where the problem got real interesting. St. Rock's market got a property from the city that was literally, you know, gifted to them, you know, but they have to pay taxes and, and pay rent and that type of thing. But it was gifted in a community that is divided. One part of New Orleans, if you cross over to the other side, it has a more white audience and white neighborhood. You cross over the street and go to another side and all behind St. Rox are going to be your hipsters, black folks and people who've been there for a very long time. But what was happening, St. Rox Market used to be this thriving, like fish market, right? It was a a necessity in the city. It was bustling. People came there. And what they thought was St. Rock's Market was going to be something like that after Katrina because that's what was promoted. And what it became was this upscale eatery with nine local and local uh, food vendors, which is not bad, but you have to understand the karma with that, right? There's a karma with that. If the people can't come there and embrace it there's going to be a, a conflict, so we were there making sure that black vendors I had fifty percent of black vendors there taking advantage of these tourists who were there, and they had beautiful products we were creating things for children you know we were doing um, um, you know vendors who were baking cakes we had day workshops, just really a beautiful vibe. And, and it, was, it was working. Um, my health changed. Black Pearl Market was there. I didn't understand when it was going to be introduced because everything I do is very organic. I go into the hospital one way. I come out of the hospital and the word I'm hearing is, you've got to mask up. You can't touch anything. We can't go shopping. I'm like sitting here going, what are you talking about? I'm looking out. I'm looking out. I'm going, there's no one on the roads. What is going on? It was like a different <coughs> world. It was like a different world. But this world, <coughs> I knew I had to do Black Pro Market because it was really about, and this sounds very crazy, but I'm okay that I'm crazy. It's all right. I'm not here to have everybody agree with who I am. I'm here to agree with what my spirit has brought me here to do. If that makes sense. It, it,
0: no, I, I understand the surrealness that you must have had. It was in the early it was days of the pandemic. It,
1: it was weird. It was like being in a Van Gogh movie and you're watching people cut their ears off, but they're not bleeding. They're having colorful colors coming out of their ears. It was like you No, know, I
0: drove I, I drove from Bingham to New York. To Denver, Colorado, in A- April. yeah, it must have been A- yeah, it must have been A- late April <clears throat> I was there in time for my birthday, which is the 26th, so it was mid-April, okay. <clears throat> and I called, my, I called my mom, and I said, "I just drove across Cleveland in 10 minutes. There was no one on I90. What? Yes. And then I, when I got farther west, I got to St. Louis. And St. Louis is like an hour and a half because the traffic is so terrible. Because you have to cross over the Mississippi River, all this type of That's thing. That's right. I called, my, I called my mom again. And I said, I just drove across St. Louis in 15 minutes. There was no one on the what? road.
1: Yeah, it was very...
0: And there, it was, and there it was construction in downtown St. Louis. I-70 is closed. You have to take the beltway. And I still did it in 15 minutes from one end to the other. Gas stations were closed. I had to go to the bathroom on the side of the highway because there were no gas stations open. They did lock the doors, left the pumps on. You could get gas, but nothing else. Like, it was the most surreal. I've traveled to every state in the Union. I've been to five countries. It was the most surreal travel experience I had ever had in my entire life of just driving and having eight lanes of highway entirely to myself. I mean, you had pictures in Los Angeles of the 101 going to the valley, 12 lane highway, no one's on it. Yeah. Like, you know, yes, sort of yes. It was a very surreal experience. So I totally understand how you could come out of the hospital and be kind of like, the world is broken.
1: What is it, going I mean, on? <laughs> and you already knew the world was broken. I mean, like you knew it, yes. like vibrationally, we are, the world is sick. We are really sick, but we have to be clear that the karma at this time in our world is about us healing that. And whatever us looks like is really everyone's perspective. But what was really clear for me, um, as an African-American woman functioning in my life in a white environment, what was clear for me was that I needed to teach and learn how to take what I learned and taught and make it doable and appreciative and uh, supportive for someone else who may not have seen it, who may come from the same price points or social economic or higher bracket, whatever it is, we had something in common. And what we have in common is that we all wanted to work with each other. And so when I hear the conversation with people going, "Uh, I don't really know how to make this happen. Like, I don't really get it. Like, how do you do that? And I'm like, what? You know, I'm like, what do you mean? How do you do it? You just do it. You're not going to talk about doing it. Talking about doing it is really great, but you have to act on it. Word. So I was clear. Spirit was saying as I'm laying and healing my body from this ravishing thing that took over was that I was using this as my resting period and that that was my resting period. And that what was clear for me was coming was now the cocoon was now getting ready to fly. And whatever moth I was, or whatever butterfly I have become, I had to embrace that and run with it. Because literally, the opportunity for right now for Black creatives is paramount. It's paramount. It's not kind of, you know, it's kind of like, oh, this is something, you know, kind of, cool this is not about cool this is about shifting this is about shifting energy and it's shifting energy in our favor and i don't mean to be disrespectful because i have a lot of white colleagues and allies that i keep in contact with but it but they understand where i'm coming from and so in my conversations when we talk it is very clear that this is an important movement for our society as an overall healing experience we can't say black lives matter and keep saying like it's a mantra but then we're not doing our hand positions in the mudras to make sure that it happens if you know what i mean it's like yes. being in a it's like being in a yoga stance and chewing gum at the same time it doesn't work like that you you have to be in a yoga stance but understand that that yoga knowledge came from a master You have to acknowledge the master. and you acknowledge the master, you go into position. You go into the breathing. You have the hands, you have the mind, you have the whole lit. You can't pop bubble gum and say, I had a master who taught me this really cool stuff. That is kind of like asinine. So Black Pearl Marketplace, there I am laying in the hospital bed and clear like it is sun shining right now. It was like, whoa, okay. Okay, okay. That's what I'm going to be doing. Okay, the green journey's taking a break. Okay. <laughs> That's what you're telling me? I listen. I listen to what spirit tells me. And it's because I have learned to spiritually understand that my my timing is now. My timing to help people is even more crucial right now. And I can tell you What a joy it is to be able to know that this morning I chat with someone who's with um, a business owner that I'm going. So what is it going to take for you to hire some of our folks to do work for you? And they're like, hey, we're totally in on it. And knowing they're like, but, you know, us being a white business, is that a problem? Are you kidding me? You got money to spend? We're going to let's make this happen. He said, oh, I thought, no, 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 you don't get it. I'm here to help Black creatives, but we want you to hire. We don't care. With them, you know, if you have purple money, green money, pink money, hire us because so many years, it's been overlooked. It's been an overlooked factor. And if we we'll don't, we'll
0: take dollars. Be, yeah, <laughs> it's like come on, <laughs> you can't
1: do it. You know, it doesn't. It, you know, we're all. It, it's like we're, we 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 may be selling ourselves short. But I'm really clear. I don't mind selling my short my time short with people right now, because it's really important that for me, I have to clean up my own karma before I die. So me being of service is very important. You know, it's really important, Um, especially if you're doing something that's about shifting the universe. Um, And that sounds really big, but it's not. Because my world is my universe and the people that I work with and I'm honored to work with, they're my universe and I am theirs. Because what we're doing is moving the idea of sharing ideas and money with each other. If someone called me this morning and say, Hey, can you answer my phone? I have a meeting this afternoon and I need to make sure such as such. And I go, Yeah, I'll answer your phone. What do you want me to do? I answer their phone, I do that. That's a service that is a service we provide to our members. So, I think that that is how I got on this path. It's it's so organic. It's so but I trusted what the universe told me would be so anyway because it is my divine birthright to have what we want. It is our it is our birthright to have what we want. But you have to make sure that you are careful with whom you ask to come for in your life. Even enemies are your teachers, even negative spirit. People who have negativity are your teachers for if you do not know what you do not want. You will not know. So if you're going to embrace those people in your life and you're going to go, and here's another thing, speaking, spelling things out, listen to what I'm saying, spelling things out. If you say, Oh, my life is going to be this. It's always been that you're already spelling that to existence. You're casting a spell on yourself. I heard something say that the other day and I, I found in talking to people just the last couple of days, I said, now check it out, isn't that interesting? They said, you know, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And I said, you know, you, we do have to be very careful with what we say to ourselves because the universe does listen. Because if you keep saying, I never get a good man, it's because you keep saying, I never get a good man. If you keep saying, I'll never find the right guy or right girl, You keep saying it, well, then it's not going to come. It only comes when you begin to realize that you're ready, that you're deserving. You know, because we all are deserving for our birthright to be amazing. But we got to ask for that. And we have to do the work. And it's not easy. Because being at this point where I am, it took a whole lot of negativity and crap for me to be who I was and was not to get to be who I am. Oh, that was deep. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think, you know, I think that's a very interesting, that's a very interesting, interesting journey. And I, listeners know I have been um, the driver of the struggle bus as of late <laughs> um, with new kind of a new a new aspect of my mental health has 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 grown up um two weeks ago I did the weekly podcast and I spent 25, 25 minutes of an hour-long podcast talking about like how much of a struggle it has been to adjust to autism and ADHD life and on the one hand I feel like oh my goodness I have the final missing piece of you know myself of like you know what's kind of wrong with Cameron what's weird with Cameron all this sort of thing and it's like oh, okay i finally have all the pieces um and and that is that has been a you know like i said i've been the driver of the of the struggle bus on that and i think i told you a couple calls ago that i was not in the mood mm-hmm. to take on this project mm-hmm. Um, but I agreed to take the meeting anyway, because I felt it was that important. Um, even though at this stage of the game, I still feel like I need to burn everything down and I don't even know what would happen after that, but, um, (laughs) you know, sort of, sort of thing. Um, and it it is definitely, yeah, it's definitely an interesting, an interesting kind of journey to get to where you're where you're going to go. And I think yours has been, has been really, really fascinating. And I, I think the amazing part about that is how much you trust in it. Mm-hmm. I don't have that yet. I. But I'm <laughs> but glad you said yet. Do you, do you package, did you package, do you package that? Yeah, I'm working saw. on it. You know, we're working on
1: it. But I mean, here's a <laughs> sad thing. Isn't it unfortunate that you did not meet people who could embrace your gift for being you without you feeling like you were not okay. You know, that's, that's, that's the horrible thing about this new, I don't know what it is. I think it's, I think it has a lot to do with me being older. And seeing some young people, because I, I can't say all people, I can't generalize generalize because I do see some amazing young people who are doing some amazing speak truth um, in, their, in their work. But what I also see is a disillusioned society that has it's like their vaccination with reality stars and TV shows and um, dressing the part when you're not the part. And if you don't look like you're the part, you don't get the part. And I'm so over that. And I'm so glad COVID-19 came because it's really making us say, who really gives a crap about your weave today? Word. I mean, I've been bald for a couple <laughs> of years, yes. but who really cares about the weave? I mean, I understand there's a group of women who are very meticulous about that. I used to be, but it's to me, I really got that that's not important. Finding myself and leaving this earth of a feeling of value for myself to me seems to be much more than me worrying about my nails being done and having the newest points on my nails and making sure my weave and I have little baby hairs in front. I am not mocking that. I think it's amazing for those people who find that mm, resourceful to help them cope because we are also all coping right now. Some of us have some very poor coping skills. We just found out a friend of our families here in New Orleans was murdered. Like this man murdered his wife in DC, word. And and Mm. when you know that there's a connection with something so brutal, before COVID was brutal, but now it's brutal because we understand our human natures are so frail. We're so frail that how could we dare even believe that our aesthetics is the answer when really we need to be working on what's inside because everything that we thought was so is not so. It is not the truth. It's like somebody who is pumping the black power sign, having on a daishiki, but if you undo that daishiki it says made in China, you kind of question where'd you get this from? like. You can't tell me you can't get this from the motherland. You had to get it made in China. There's nothing wrong with that. It just tells you the story of of our dilemma and our and our sicknesses with each other as human beings. We're so sick. You well, know? And,
0: well, and let's also—I mean, there's also we also the media environment has definitely changed over the last decade, and that has. A lot to, I think it has a lot to do with what people, you know, people value, value now. Um, my generation, in particular, because social media arrived for us when a lot of us were in our coll- in college in our early twenties. Mm-hmm. A lot of people criticized, you know, millennials for you know the Instagram, you know, ready food and the mm-hmm. the, the hot girls who made their whole living posting mm-hmm. bikini pics on Instagram and all this type of thing. And and there was a lot of criticism of of, of all of that. And think about that what you will. I have my own opinions on that topic. Um, I think it has created a cultural language Mm -hmm. that is both incredibly visual, which makes it very accessible, because you don't have to read and think or process it. You can just experience it directly on the one hand. But then that also it also has democratized yes. it so that now, you know, the, the pretty girl who can put on some makeup and look stunning, who back in the day would have moved to L.A., tried to make it in film and then never do it and then end up working as a PA or right. something, um, now can post on Instagram, have 1.1 million followers and do sponsored posts. So it's taken that whole kind of yes. celebrity fame, audience, the look culture that was really the echelon of A Precious Few People. It's existed since film, but it was the world of Marlena Dietrich and Joan Crawford and Hedy Lamarr and, you know, a, a handful. And it has taken that, blown it out across the whole world and made it accessible to a lot of people. And so for better or for worse, that is now the language our culture speaks. Our culture speaks in TikTok videos, Snapchat stories, instagram posts mm-hmm. all this sort of thing and those that can traffic in that language are those that are going to rise up absolutely and this is very difficult for someone like me because my cultural language is words mine is too and <laughs> mine is too and and and, and it's it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to get people to take the time to slow down and to both read and think when in a world of video and all of these things uh, the cultural language is is changing it's it's like the revolution it's like the same revolution of film on steroids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's something i don't i that's something where i don't think we can change that i think we have to work in harmony i agree
1: i agree and 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 i (laughs) and you know i am very i love watching all of this social media, um, I just don't choose it as my and, and this and you have to hear me with a grain of salt on this i don 't it, choose it as my Bible. Um, I, I don't post every day like I used to because my life is very is full. It's more fuller than I have time to post. To post, I have to literally plan that for our Black Pearl market, which we have to be very mindful. Are we posting to get liked? Because we're not needing to be liked. But what we need to be mindful is strategic planning. Um, If we're going to post, we're going to make it make sense to post. Um, When I post, I know I have people who will say, oh, my God, where have you been? What are you doing how you doing? And we say hi to each other. And we're people who've known each other for some 20 years. And some people I just met a couple of weeks ago, but whatever it is, I'm clear that I have a different, I have a different respect for my, my followers versus not, um, you know, it's, 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 it's not, it's not no, something I, I think I it's
0: important to have a, pro- it,
1: it's a I think it's important
0: to have a proper relationship with social media mm-hmm. as a creative person and there's a lot of tug and pull because on the one hand and I know this is especially true for me on the one hand social media is the fuel that keeps what I do mm-hmm. going mm-hmm. conversely it also can't be my entire work. focus because it takes away work. from the work and that's true for every artist in today's environment and it's it's a very difficult balance to strike I don't have it right yet I don't know anyone that really does me neither
1: me neither
0: um, but but it, it is some sort of weird. you have to kind of find what works for you and then just keep evaluating and innovating and all this type of thing um and i have, I have like the same relationship with a video i did the cameron Cowan show for two years which was two videos a week and i would make them in batches <clears throat> um and it was it was one of the absolute most stressful things i did because i did a podcast every week two videos and four blog posts. So there, I was literally, something was getting posted every right. single day. So when I, re, when I reconstituted my blog after taking off for two years and working and doing a bunch of other stuff, I did not want to do that mm-hmm. again. <laughs> that was just way too much. Um, and so for the Cameron Journal, I, I cut the content schedule way back. And surprisingly enough, I s- produced better numbers mm. with mm. less than as I... and. The only thing I have not added back into my business is I have not brought back doing video. And people have a lot of people have asked me to bring back doing video, and I'm I'm not I'm not. But there yet. we
1: will be we will yet. be in April or May. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, yes, that is going. Yes, we will be. Yes, we will be in April or May. My
1: my big return. And, then, and, and YouTube, it's a and it, um, and, the, and that'll be a different experience for all of us because you know it's it's taking the news in a, in a completely different thing. We have somebody from Canada and, um, who is, is, a, a true a Yorba, uh, Lagos Calvary, Alberta, you know, connection. It's like, what, you know, someone who's living yeah. in such a place that's so hot moving to a place that's so cold versus, you know, someone who's living here in new Orleans to someone who is, a. Uh, person living in Nevada, to you in Seattle, to someone who's in D.C., um, to someone who's from Mali. I mean, it's, it's, it's like um, we hope to talk about everything that we've wanted to talk about when we talk about how we people of color move through this beautiful, amazing world um, and, and with and without our allies. With or without cultural appropriation, with or without racism and hatred at our hymns, with love and support, whatever that looks like, you know, it's presenting a different take on what we have in this in this amazing world we call living our life, you know. But well,
0: and there's there's also a, I think, a big cultural moment right now, trying to figure out after the protests of the summer and black lives matter and all this type of thing. And this is certainly the conversation being had in the Seattle activist community, which has been, you know, grown and changed and been so active over the past Mm -hmm. six months to try to figure out what happens next. I was deeply involved in Occupy wall street and when Occupy wall street, you know, collapsed due to winter and the camps were broken up. And parks got fenced off Mm -hmm. for years um, afterwards and all this sort of thing. There was a big question about what was going to happen next and what to take it next. And there were not necessarily answers there, but in the form of Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, the language of the 99%, the language of the Mm -hmm. 1%, the phrase income inequality those are so familiar to us now, but they that's weren't right. before 2011 when we had Occupy that's, Wall Street. That's right. And so, I think for I think for the for the Black Lives Matter movement, what next may not necessarily be a movement, a march, or whatever have you. It may be capitalizing on the cultural influence and the fact that a lot of a lot of people suddenly woke up to the fact. That we have a systemic racism problem that they could
1: really see for the first time with new eyes, because
0: yes, and there's a there's a YouTube channel I follow um, called the Holderness family, and these are two very nice, kind white people who live in North Carolina, <laughs> and um they and I kind of watched through their videos over the summer of them being like we are educated and new to this systemic racism problem. And like for them, they had kind of just discovered it. But for what was heartening for me is if we can reach nice kind white people who live in the suburbs and it's clicking Mm -hmm. for them, imagine how many other people are having that same experience. That's true. This movement has been highly effective.
1: And and, you know, um, in the conversations with some Pan-Africanist educators, the conversation, unfortunately, is around, well, what they should do, you know, that conversation, what they should be doing, what they need to do um, is they need to think. And my whole thing when I hear it is I'm also part of that conversation where I say, you know, what should have happened is elders should have been part of supporting that movement to making sure that there was education that could be moved into politics and trainings and what SNCC and what the Panthers did in the early days um, in regards to, you know, Snoky Carmichael, um, those elders, what they did to move the movement was they began to do the politics in the movement. They became the movement. They went to the movement and created breakfast programs for children. They created um you know um helping people, they created feeding, they created the the they cre- they became what they said they would to be um and black lives yes. matter did the footwork, but what we didn't have was soldiers behind ready to begin to um, put into place the training that could take next um and whether that was e- or the
0: creation of the mutual aid networks that Absolutely. would help people or things Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. So yeah. where
1: we have to step in 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 so to speak is kind of be the bridge that could have been there if we were more organized. And so when it happens again, perhaps, because we really don't know, we have moved into the age of Aquarian, which which is an enlightened age. Unfortunately, we are in the dark ages. So you kind of have to look at it and go, hmm, yes, it is the age of Aquarian. We know things are going to start happening like they they did moving into this. This has been a a very uh, interesting period for our society overall, globally. We all saw George Floyd murdered, it is our karma now that has to be resolved in how we move each other forward as human beings. We we really have to, um, in order for and and it's really not about racism. It's about doing what's right. It really is about doing what's right. It's about and I, I think it's also a
0: conversation about who gets to be a human word. in our society. You, you
1: just I mean it's kind of like. Um, this insurrection that took place um, January 6 surprises me the outcome that I see playing out of course what I find interesting is that you are seeing people getting arrested but what about the senators what about the congressmen who were in on that why are we not addressing yes. that why is that Kind of looked over. What what is what is that about? What what you know is it is it about us um, ignoring the fact that they have not received their time to be held accountable? You're telling me in your house <laughs> you have people who are part of the other side, and when I say this, it's like having. In the hen house, a rooster who's in friendship with the wolf. You see what I'm saying? You know, the Houston, yes. the rooster will tell the roof, I'm going to let you in at a certain time. And this is when they sleep. See what I'm saying? This is when they sleep and they don't expect you. I'll let you in. You can come in. It's that kind of thing. So how can you sleep diligently and quietly and restfully when you know in your hen house you have a rooster who is creating um a sabotaging effect so people in congress
0: well i i think that's i mean that's why even this morning i was listening to morning Mm -hmm. joe and you know people were remarking congress has not set up A blue ribbon commission to investigate the insurrection. Um, And and there's no excuse for that at this point. It's been two months, and the Democrats are in charge. This shouldn't be that hard. And so now there's people saying Biden should do it in the executive branch because we need to find out exactly what happened, who was responsible, and all this sort of thing. And that you know includes the Lauren Boberts of the world and Marjorie Taylor Greene and other people who helped and able to make this to to occur. Um, yes, there has to be accountability for all of that. The, the, the week that that happened was actually the week I restarted the weekly news podcast. I quit doing the weekly news podcast when I was with my ex-girlfriend because she wanted more time on the weekend. So I quit doing it. And then this January, I started it back up. So my first weekly news podcast of the restart of this, um, was Mm -hmm. that week. And I literally, I did not have a format that week. I literally just spent 45 minutes being people like basically telling people we almost lost democracy this week and only through the incompetency of select people did we dodge a major yes, bullet. We... And it was funny because the only people I heard, including myself, that were talking like that were people of color. A lot of the Quiet, white people like were yeah. not really Quiet understand. like church house, yes. like
1: church mice's, <clears throat> like church mice's in the church on sunday they they
0: yes but every
1: person yeah. of color
0: was out here being like this is not good. no it's this not, not but I but what's but, but again me. we yes. go
1: what's wrong with this picture again now if we were white and said that we would have heard more people go well let's look at that again we have such yes. a we are such. this is we are so sick it's 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 you know when we see each other we say, oh, you, you matter in my life, but yet, you know, you still see cops doing horrible things to people who are brown and black. You still see it. I mean, this morning I was listening to a news station here in New Orleans and they were talking about, um, and, and this is good. I have the name Madeira. My name is Spanish, Madeira. It's not Madeira for a reason. I am an Afro-black, let's say, so to speak, because when you see me and then you talk to my nieces and nephew, their names are, you know, Maria, Santiago, you know. And, they, and when you see me like, oh, they ain't all black, you know what I'm saying? So you have to be really mindful. Yes. And this person said, well, you know, they coming into country and they taking our jobs. I'm like, they coming in country, you don't want their jobs. You can have their jobs. You don't want them. We don't want them. Yeah. Well, let's get let's be honest here. Then I sit and I go, well, you know, they this way and they this way. I you know they don't they not in anybody's family. I'm like, I'm sitting here and I was gonna call in, but I said, look, I got them all in my family. You know, we got black, we have Spanish, we have Panamanian, we have white. I can't see I can't say we don't have them in our family when I do have them in my family. It's been in our families. Many of our families have it, and we don't talk about it. We act like we don't see yes. it. When you hear this conversation and we're going, look, it's okay that we don't agree with things. It's really okay. What's not okay is that we're not making this world any better. We're staying at this sick level. Yes. We're staying sick. We just choose to stay sick. Let's just stay sick. Well, Because then we don't have and to we, change. We have you know, we don't generations
0: have to of this. We have the 1921... Tulsa Absolutely. Black Wall Street riot. We have yes, and we even, do. even in more recent, mm-hmm. you know, you have the 1960s. Enough said. And then even more, even more modern. Like everyone acts like the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, protests were some new thing. I'm like, did you sleep through 1992 and oh. Rodney King?
1: Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we, we, we must be mindful that, you know, but we have to remember every generation who experiences a riot, a civil rights riot, it's an awakening for them. And there, there is a movement I can, I can fully appreciate. But if you've been sitting here, and I'm some 60 years old, I remember the song when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the storm. Uh, Paul Robinson was singing this on a black and white TV, and then it cuts to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has been has been murdered. He was murdered. I remember it like, like I was sitting there and my mother and I said, Well, what why why did they kill him? Like I don't understand why wasn't he a silver right? Wasn't he doing things? And my mother said, Well, maybe when you get older you won't have to experience this you see because they had the 50s experience they saw some of the lynchings were they had to be careful i remember when we moved from germany and we went to visit my granny in meridian mississippi and my mother gave me money to go down to visit the local store it was a safe area i walked down to the store and I had my money and I was happy and I thought the world was beautiful because I was beautiful. And I put my hand in and let man say, hello, little, little gal. I said, hi, how are you? And, you know, and I'm a talkative little dark skin, little girl. And I said, can I have that candy, that candy, that candy, that candy. I have my money and I put it on the counter. In walks a white couple. I, you know, a little girl and her mom. I didn't know. And he stopped what he was doing with me. Didn't say, excuse me. I was like, what am I experiencing? What's going on here? Aren't you going to help me here? You wait, you wait. You just wait. Gal, know your place. I don't know what the hell he was talking about. I don't know. I didn't understand it. Know my place. I was a confused little kid. I said, but I just gave you my money and you haven't given me anything back. Gal, you need to hush up. Tell me I need to hush up. Like, what did I do? Yeah. I'm trying to figure this out. Now, understand I was a little, little teak. So I waited there until he finished. And he said, now you interrupt me the next time. I said, excuse me. I'm saying, sir, you're not my mom. I, can I have my money back? Give me my money back. And he threw my, he, I mean, I remember it. I walked back up. I didn't understand it. I was very, my mother hadn't prepared me for this. I think my mother forgot we were in the South. I don't know what my mother was doing <laughs> that day, but she wasn't on it. Yes. And when I got home, I shared it with her and she said, oh my. And so my mom and dad looked at each other. That kind of looked like we got to have that talk with her now. Yes. And, you know, cause I said, I remember something happening in Germany when I was a little girl standing on a corner and I was called in German called a mud duck. Now my mother was very fair and I'm dark and I'm looking around and there was nothing else dark around. I had enough of good sense to know that I was the only darkest thing. And they were looking at me and my mom when they drove by, there was nothing, no one else was around, but they yelled out the mud duck. Um, and I knew it, I said, is that me? I knew it was me, but I had to ask just to make sure my mother said, "I, I, Dara, don't worry about it. I said, well, that was me. They were talking. They called me a mud duck. She said, but you know what a mud duck does? Becomes a swan. And I said, okay, I bought that for a while, but I remembered that day. And then I remembered that moment. And I said, what's going on here? And they told me that how the U.S. was going to be. I remember the times we had to be careful driving on the roads, from Meridian going down south to come to Louisiana or go to out, you know, Lawton, Oklahoma. We had to do it at the daytime. I remember little things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> we couldn't drive at night. You couldn't go to sunset, sunset towns. Yep. Sunrise towns. You know what that meant? Because if you were black in that town, you weren't going to make it out. Nope. So you had the Green Book. You had the green book on where to go when you came to certain towns that were friendly for black folk. We've been through that movement before. We've been through the riots. We've seen them in the '60s. We saw them with Dr. King. We saw them with Rodney, um, with with Rodney King. We saw them with with Snick. We saw them with the integration of the of the lunch counters. We saw. John Lewis get his head slammed in when they were protesting on Selma. We forget that that's still part of our rich history because it goes back even longer when we think about um, you know, the, the part of um, the slave up, uprisings. Nat Turner, we, when, we, when we begin to see all of them connected, We need to be mindful. Nothing has changed. It's just the century it changed. There was lynchings then. There's still lynchings now. They're just not as common. There are people still being lynched. George Floyd was lynched, but he was hung. He was hung by a foot, a neck, something putting pressure on his neck was still that same thing. So I can understand this beautiful movement we're in right now. But well, the and, problem and the, is there
0: we and, and the were so there have been over the last ten years, there have been so many stories where we've had we've watched that get repeated over and over and over again. And in some degree, thank God for the smartphone, because now when it happens, there's immediate evidence. I mean there was a there was that poor fellow shot in his car next to his girlfriend.
1: Oh, in the children, yes. Yes, in front of the children. Oh.
0: Sandra Bland got pulled over for not using her turn signal. Mysteriously, dies in jail for no good reason. Um, yeah, I mean, all this. I think they—they they, those you know, video footage of they pulled over the state attorney for Florida because didn't yes, you know they had. Yes, because <laughs> her license plate didn't return anything because they pull those for state officials. Like that's that's right, you know, sort sort of thing. And the cops pulled her over anyway, and they kind of immediately realized, oh, we've we've really done it this time sort of thing. Um, yes. And, I mean, yes. all this sort of thing. And I mean, even just, you know, at this stage of the game with having, uh, a, you know, a, a, a vice president with multiple racial identities, the amount of slander... That is put mm. against her, and indeed birtherism with Obama before her, which was Donald yes. Trump's entrance into politics. All this sort of thing; those are all the only reason birtherism made any sense was because.
1: Of the well, you, you and and understand birtherism would have been never another thing. We wouldn't have seen it, but here's the thing: we cannot change what has yeah. so. We can't we, we can acknowledge that um, Kamala Harris is our vice president, but so what? What, what is she going to do? What can't she have the capacity to do? There's a great deal of pride for yes. many people, especially her sorority sisters. But well, let's not get carried away. We still need to understand yes. that they have an agenda that they still have to bring to fruition. And we also now know that even with this beautiful Biden, colorful, colorful, the most diverse cabinet, I think we've had in a very long time, with this diverse cabinet, there are still some concerns um, that bring up red flags, which you're sitting here going, what? How are how you, how you bringing her, what? His decisions? Okay, we have to see how this yes. is going to play out and we cannot be sleep. We must remember that there is still work that has to be done. Just because we got Trump out, we can't have something back in because these people who just created this insurrection, this whole movement, they're not finished. L- let us be clear. Just because they're out of sight, they it doesn't mean busy. they're out of mind. They yes. are still planning. I think I heard something in, in one of my it was it the guardian that mentioned that they had someone unveiled another plan to plot against the uh the capital again. I'm like, what? But then we need to be mindful. These guys don't aren't tired. You know, but they are they're they're planning. No on as many ways that they can mess up the government. And I'm hoping that we not take our eyes off of what's really going on, because one thing might be happening over here, another thing is happening, but let us be mindful, people are still dying because of ignorance. And when I say ignorance, when you are having people who are getting stimulus checks, let me just be clear, we're getting stimulus checks and we're killing each other for the stimulus checks? When you you have people who are committing crimes, we are not healthy. But we also have to be mindful. It's been all systematically put into place. So what's being played out is exactly what has to be played out. Now, what we going to do about it, we have to be very clear that this is the time for us as people, people who are allies of us, to assist in moving this forward so that we can walk away with a healthier society where people really do love each other. And it doesn't matter what color of skin, but we have to be careful that there has to be an acknowledgement of black experience. There has to be an honest honest acknowledgement. And I know no offense to my, my brothers and sisters who are gay. We have to be clear that the civil rights movement for black folks has never really been solved. Everyone else has played off of it. Women's rights, gay rights, Black folks have still not gotten their rights on this. This is me just saying, I ain't saying it's right. I'm not saying it wrong. I'm just saying we have to be very mindful that this is a time for us to politically begin to have conversations that are going to move us forward. And when we move each other forward, we, we excel.
0: Oh, there, there's a whole, and this is a topic I have not written not enough on. When it the, when it comes to race in the LGBT community, mm-hmm. a very big mm-hmm. conversation needs to happen there, and 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 I and I can say that as someone who's openly bisexual, that you know there there is a, a very potent mm-hmm. and powerful latent racism that exists in the community, and that no, conversation has not really been had. Um, as, as, as and and the and the problem is. A lot of the most prominent people in the gay community, for simple reasons of demographics, Mm -hmm. tend to be white. And as I, I wrote in my essay on racism in my book, What the Hell is Going On? Part of the problem is there's not, the language is not necessarily there for those conversations to be started. And that is, but I mean, also conversely, and people do not like me saying this. I also say in the reverse, the black community needs Mm -hmm. to have a conversation about gay rights. That's Mm -hmm. decades overdue, and that conversation has to start with how the church. Well, let's look at how the church. Multiple conversations in that universe. Well, the church is not not the church.
1: There's two types of churches, really. It's churches that do the work of the people. They are creating programs while COVID has been present. That money that they made, the masses and millions of billions of dollars that they made off of their congregation. They are still feeding congregation. They are still providing services for congregations. There are churches who are still doing the work. They have churches who are creating schools. I'm not talking about those. When I say what I'm getting ready to say, there's the other churches. These churches don't care about helping anybody except the bottom line, which looks to me. Can I say it looks to me? I don't say it's right. I'm just saying it looks to me that they're helping those who are in leadership positions continue to pad their pockets. I didn't say that's wrong. But you're not taking care of your flock either. Because in the,
0: well, and and how many, how, how many, how many of the, how many are those, you know, big prominent churches led by big prominent pastors who sell millions of books, who have big buildings and all this type of thing and have plenty of money are not doing with those resources. Do. what a yes. small church with, with 10 well-meaning people and a few hundred Absolutely. dollars are doing it for is. their community. And that's a huge problem. It's kind of like, do you need a Versace suit, or should we go to Men's Warehouse get you something cheaper, and use the other fifteen hundred bucks to feed some people, or make sure some kids get to school, or start an after? But you see, this is this is the kind work. of
1: conversations. In addition to how we treat the the gay community, is is those conversations maybe we can have on Black Pearl Market that no one else has touched on. We we know that we're going to have. All types of discussions, but we do know that in this, it, it feels, it looks like the church has abandoned the people for the cloth, if you understand that you, you see, and the people yes. I'm hoping as they see this being played out with this COVID virus, they can say to themselves, you know, this is not how a church is supposed to look. Perhaps this is the, the, the enlightening thing that the divine has created with this coronavirus. There has been some cleansing and purging that has taken place. There's also been some increase of awareness. But then there's been some lack of awareness. There's still some immaturity. There's still some who cares if I wear a mask or not. You know, that's going to be present in any time we, we are in something like this. I'm sure when the Spanish flu hit, you had people who were, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm sure there were those too, but, but, yeah. but.
0: Oh, absolutely. The,
1: the, the beauty behind it is we can talk about these things and not lose who we are to discuss them. You see, this is the maturity. That comes into place. We don't have to agree that we're going to agree on everything, but I think what could it be that we do? What can it look like to make a difference? Does it mean talking? So if we're going to talk about it, what's going to be the solution that we can put into place? If we're going to begin to have these kind of conversations, Um, we have to be ready that we're going to have the people who are going to tell us the truth about it. And we're not going to like some of the truth we're going to hear, but you got to hear it. Sometimes the laundry has to be aired um, in order to change the drama, to change the karma, to change the 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 spirit. Again, let me go back to spelling it out. When we spell, when we break a spell, when you break a spell that's been over people for generations, it, it's you're free. You're free, and and freedom. And free at freedom <laughs> of the mind and removing shackles that that handle that cross the eyes so you can't see well, I think that that's pretty freeing that's necessary, so you know, as a wordsmith yourself you know you you have to be ready to to embrace through your shows like you're doing now through our black pearl market that we hope to do when we We reach out to new audiences. We have to be ready that we have to have topics that people are not going to want to miss because we may be telling the truth. And when I say maybe, people aren't ready. Some people are kind of jaded of what the truth is. You remember one time we could go and we could fact check it because we had real journalists. We had real reporters. We had real reporters. That you know, we had Ed Bradley. You know, yeah. we had Roger Mudd. We had Roger Cronkite. We had these guys who were real news people. Um, Diane Sawyer's—they were real news people. Yeah. They told us the the truth in, in the news. Now we're getting some kind of um, journalistic writing that is not news. It's a it's it's the press release that you took and. It's, that's what it's it is. We've got to get back to telling <clears throat> the story of the truth tellers, because if we don't, we won't tell the stories of our ancestors. And our ancestors want us to tell the stories of what's really going on, because that's how we save the planet.
0: Mm, yes. No, that's, that's why I'm working on a book right now called The Sweetgrass Saga that is set on the plantation my family mm. comes from in Mississippi. And it's, it's down to, it's down to an Abbey style. So it's upstairs, downstairs. So every other chapter, it switches back and forth between the family who owns mm. and the enslaved people who <clears throat> work for them. And their experiences. And last summer when I was traveling after my breakup, I spent a lot of time in the South. I actually stayed in an antebellum mm-hmm. mansion in central Virginia. And then I was in Tennessee for a month in, in Franklin on a historic plantation as well. And, um, and I was literally driving along the road and I, to town. And I was like, what if I set Downton Abbey in the American South? I got back to where I was staying. And I was talking with this guy who's become a, a friend who's Atlanta born and bred. And, um, and I was kind of like, oh, I had this weird idea in the car that I should do this project. And he said, that has legs. You should drop whatever you were going to do with this residency and start working on that. Um, I didn't, but the idea stayed. And when I applied for my MFA, that was the project I chose to do. And so now it's being actively worked on. And one of the things that I've kind of received from other people and mm-hmm. from, you know, spirit, if you believe that way and that sort of thing, it's like, this is, mm-hmm. this is an ancestor's story. You know, these, we don't, when we talk about slavery and enslaved people, we talk about mm-hmm. it as an, ab- as an abstract concept. I want, mm-hmm. my specializations, I talk about lived experiences. So I want to talk about the day-to-day, the good and the bad. I'm not going to mollify the horrors of slavery, but I also want to mm-hmm. talk about the everyday business of what it was like to live as an enslaved person. And I feel like that story yes. is really only told yes. through torture porn, you know, and it's not, it's not told in the way of, you know, here's what a normal Tuesday on the plantation was like sort of thing. That doesn't involve, you know, somebody getting raped, someone being beaten, someone being run through the woods, you know, or killed or whatever have you like, there was more to it than that. There was this lived experience where everything you did, every decision that was made, every moment you lived your life, this gloom mm-hmm. of enslavement affected mm-hmm. everything. That's not been talked about. Just
1: like if you look That's at what the, I want to talk the about. slavery... Um... The dynamic of slaves, here's something that, you know, I thought was interesting. Before people left their family, imagine a mother is braiding her daughter's hair for the last time, and she puts inside the braid rice. She's hiding the rice inside the braid so that the daughter has something to plant to sustain herself when she lands, wherever she goes. The braid is done to remind the child from whence she came. She arrives in the country and she sees a different slavery than might have been in her previous land this is a more brutal it's different it's right. she sees her brother and he can't talk to her they can only look at each other because he's being sold on an auction block you know it's the last time a mother sees her child and she's braiding rice in her hair to remind her of where she came, but to sustain herself. Those are some stories that our ancestors tell about the braid, about whence and why braids are, are so important in these days and times. It gives us a sense of sustaining our past. It sounds so, so crazy. But a braid, a simple box braid or a a tiki braid or whatever braid comes from a certain tribe, from a certain place in Africa. That in itself tells such a story that when you think about the slavery on a plantation Monday through Friday, it does bring in a whole different Uh, perspective
0: no that yes and that's I think and that's the sort of that's the sort of story that I think is
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. vitally important to tell because it's it's those everyday small moments that just don't don't ever seem to quite uh, they they've never mm-hmm. made the films or a lot of the other books or things about that it's it and, and 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 visually speaking i think it's a bit dehumanizing because it ends up i think turning black people into objects and also as victims of of suffering so it becomes a whole mm-hmm. idea of these are the people who suffer and mm-hmm. there is a lot more to that story. You know, there's people lived whole lives. They, you know, got married, not mm-hmm. in the formal sense, but in the in the biblical sense, um, and, and raised children and saw maybe children get sold off or were forced to abandon their children because they themselves were sold. Um, everything they did, every moment of their lives, there was this gloom of being an enslaved person. And I think... From, as, as literature, I think it's interesting to look at the lives of these people. And I think the thing, my goal is mm. to put a human face on slavery. You know, the Holocaust can get very abstract until mm-hmm. you meet a Holocaust survivor or you see the mm-hmm. dental work, you see the shoes, you see the clothing, you see the luggage, you see the rail car. I mean, go to the Holocaust mm-hmm. Museum in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., it's harrowing. Take your medication um like you know sort of thing now have you slavery has never had that we've never been able to put the human face on it. Of these were real people who lived their whole lives owned by someone else and everything yeah and you know well, another interesting
1: thing co-ops came from um oh i can't remember her name right off off top of my head i see i see i see that she's i, I see my i can't recall her name she's a professor at a school there in New York, but she did a very uh, in-depth book on cooperatives. And she paints the picture of saying that the slaves began to share what money and materials they had. They co-opt what they had. They co-opt to buy land together because there were people who could buy land. They co-op to sell or buy a family member. Unbeknownst to us, they were finding ways to save money or save material. So they understood the importance yes. of co-oping. Um, and then they, she paints the picture from that period to where, you know, you have the sleeping car porters and you have some other organizations. Even when you come to New Orleans, you have the Zulus and you have other organizations like that, which are um, organizations, social organizations that helped with um, providing for members, families who were lost or who had suffered a loss or who needed something. And so you see the reason behind it. You see the reasoning. And that too for Black Pearl Market for me is the other aspect to this as we begin to grow um, is understanding that creating ideas that can generate wealth for us are imperative as well. Um,
0: No, I've, mm -hmm. I've been a big advocate for building building black wealth for a while i would i would like to see mm-hmm. a black sovereign wealth fund created that is a trust for people with african descent that not only does it do the traditional things like scholarships and all this oh, type yeah. of thing but becomes venture capital yes. for black-owned businesses to take these businesses public like and that is something no. that immigrant groups have mastered we've never gotten it together but that's something and, and, and that's something where and i don't I don't have the finance background maybe necessarily to spearhead that, Yeah. but I, I wish someone would, <laughs> you know, I, I hope that maybe someone will hear the idea and have the connections and the ability to make that a thing. Um, but it, it's something like where it's like, I, I would love to see, you know, if we could group together the wealth generated by, you know, rappers, basketball players, football players, entertainers, all this type of thing. And group that together as this sovereign wealth fund whose job it is to invest in Black businesses that hire Black people and that build Black wealth. Mm -hmm. That is how we could leverage American-style capitalism to rocket our people forward generations in a very short period of time. And I keep kind of saying it and suggesting it and writing about it hoping that someone somewhere with the ability I don't have the ability to do that but hopefully that someone somewhere who has that can take that well, idea Well I don't think it's on un- it I don't think fruition.
1: Here's the factor. I think that anytime now it may fall on an ear that can hear it in a way that takes it and can assist us in shifting it if that makes sense. Because we couldn't have had this kind of conversation at 2019, it would have been ignored. But at 2020 to 2023, from now forward, we can know that these kind of conversations are taken, are not taken lightly. They are now looked on more seriously and perhaps um, come to fruition or manifest quicker. Um, You know, we, we just need to always understand that the universe has our back. And if we so put it out, the universe does find a way to assist us in, um, in manifesting it, that is my belief. That's my experience. That's what I have seen. Um, no, and that's and that's why I keep
0: putting it out there as an idea to people. And, and when, these, when this sort of thing comes up, I keep putting it out there in the hopes that it kind of, it gets out into that net of injure, that general ether, and then someone picks it up and they'll have whatever it takes to make that happen and to then to be able to bring that to the fore because there's a lot of a lot of organizations that do a lot of things and it's like you know we're edu- we give scholarships for education and that's wonderful and people end up getting jobs at major corporations and that's great but that's not something we own you know that's not generational wealth that can get passed on that's where the shift needs to happen is to have a business to have businesses and things where those things can live on for a very long period of time. That's where the shift needs to take place. That's what we've never really had, and that's what I would like to see. So, Madeira, this has been a long conversation. We have talked for almost an hour and a half.
1: <laughs> what else is new? What I else know, is new? I,
0: I know. <laughs> we when we get talking, we we can we can go for it. So why don't you? Um, let's not let's not tire the poor listener out. Um, so why don't you give us some, some info on where we can find you and Black Pearl Marketplace online?
1: Okay, uh, so social media platforms, blackpearlmarketplace.com is where you can go to find out more about how you can become uh, a Black Pearl um, in our marketplace. And or if you would like to hire services um, of Black creatives. Um, Or if you'd like to collaborate on ideas or concepts coming up, you can also reach us on Instagram. Uh, We do not have a big following on Instagram, but you can do Instagram for Black Pearl Marketplace. Um, You can also go to the Green Journey series at Black Pearl Marketplace. If you want to contact us directly, of course, contact us by blackpearlmarketplace.com at gmail.com. It's wait, Black Pearl Marketplace, sorry, Black Marketplace at gmail.com. And uh, we would love to respond back and hear your suggestions, input, or anything else, how um, we may be able to assist you or, you know, uh, help you on a project. So it has been a joy and a delight uh, to chat with you and to spend some serious time in talking about subjects that you and I seem to like to talk about at any point, but being able to share it with other people. So it's yeah, been no, pleasure.
0: No, absolutely. And we'll have some some links in the show notes. So thank you so much for coming on the Cameron Journal podcast, my I appreciate it
1: it was my pleasure cameron and i thank you so much and uh i look forward to uh to of course many more time when we'll be doing black Pearl marketplace on youtube that'll be coming up in um, probably around may to june so look for more details on that as well
0: that's all for this episode of the cameron journal podcast thank you so much for listening Visit us online at CameronJournal.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I love to talk to my followers and listeners, so please feel free to uh, get us on social media at Cameron Cowan on
1: Twitter. And we'll see you next time on the Cameron Journal podcast.